This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. On the BeckQL Network, Joe O, Joe G, Aaron Hawks are with you on a Wednesday. Coming up, we'll get to some World Series stuff, series spreads. Sean Zarillo from the Action Network will join us, and uh, we'll get back to some season-long stuff. There's one we didn't bring up we want to touch on coming up in a little bit. Right now, though, Ben Brown, Pro Football Focus, joining us on the GetMyPhoenix.com guest line. The Phoenix is a revolutionary technology helping men all across America get back their best in the bedroom. Visit GetMyPhoenix.com. Dot com to learn more. Ben, another week, another week of the Packers and the Bucks looking really bad. Um, how concerned should te- fans of those teams be? Should people betting on those teams or futures on those teams be? I mean, the one thing is the Bucks have that division. The Packers divisions, it's much more difficult for them to catch up to the Vikings. But how concerned should those teams be after what we just watched on Sunday? Yeah, I mean, I definitely have them uh, in two different tiers. I am, I would say, very much concerned about the Green Bay Packers. I don't think that Aaron Rodgers is playing, you know, anywhere close to, uh, you know, a top five quarterback. And given the the state of the rest of the offense specifically, uh, I think they're in for, you know, a really long, ugly season. You're seeing kind of the frustration come out, I would say, in interviews, not only with Aaron Rodgers, but some of the other guys speaking as well. So I think they are very much, uh, you know, uh, uh, far enough behind the curve to the point where they're really not going to make, I would say, much noise in the NFC playoff picture. Um, I do think, you know, from the Buccaneers' perspective, they can definitely, uh, I would say, string together some victories. I do think, like you said, you know, the the, the division that they're in obviously plays into, uh, you know, their outlook. But I also think, you know, the ways in which they've been, uh, you know, unsuccessful offensively, I still think they can kind of fix those issues. The offense line has been great, but Tom Brady has been able to kind of get the ball out you know, quicker than expected, avoid some of those high negative EPA type plays. And I think that, you know, given some of the right context, getting the wide receivers back in the fold, uh, I do still very much see the Buccaneers being, you know, the division winner in the NFC South and probably being, you know, favored in that first round of the playoffs when it's all said and done. Ben, I've uh, I've noticed that a lot of betters have complained about CLV, that it really hasn't helped things. And I've heard that same complaint over the last few years and breaking news, betters, complaining about something but uh i saw i saw yesterday that uh, you're workshopping an idea with my friend arthur arkish over at pff about early week line movement did you guys uncover anything yeah i mean i so like full disclosure obviously i think there's a lot of people that think you know closing line value matters a lot more than i do i definitely think um, it matters, but I also think it's more of a, you know, a, an evaluation tool for people that don't necessarily derive their own probabilities for how these games are going to play out. And I do think that, you know, if you if you do some of the modeling work and actually are kind of deriving some of your own numbers, it may not matter as much to kind of compare closing line value. Because I think, you know, where we're heading from a sports betting industry I think a lot of it is in some ways, uh, you know, either like manipulated, manipulated a little bit when you see some of these like line releases with 
you know, big uh, type betters kind of shifting lines two and three numbers. And I think that if you, you know, some for somehow somehow got lucky and were on like the right side of that movement before that number was released, I don't really think that that is necessarily showing the same amount of value of actually getting that closing line value uh, in a more, you know, I would say in like a previous type of manner. So a lot of the closing line value has been, you know, injury specific. And I would say some of those like, you know, bigger, you know, syndicate type groups or whatever kind of shifting lines in certain direction. And I think that, you know, making, you know, relying heavily on those two things uh, is more, I would say, a factor of luck than anything else. So um, although it still matters, I'm, I, I think it kind of, you know, it, it is really just an evaluation tool for how well you're doing from a betting perspective. And I think that that should be used, you know, with your win-loss record and units one and those sorts of things. So I, I it's a long-winded way of saying, uh, you know, the closing line value definitely matters. But I think that, you know, saying that it's the sole, you know, the sole judge of how good you're doing from a betting perspective, I think is maybe just a little bit overstated given the current, you know, betting market conditions that we're all dealing with. So, well, so let me follow up with uh, your timing of your betting. D- does it change from week to week, situation to situation? I go back and forth on this. Like I understand when, why I hear a lot of better say you have to bet early. You have to bet on Sunday night. If you want any chance, you can't be waking up two hours before the games on Sunday and betting. I understand all that, but I also think there's an aspect to um, getting more information with those final injury reports. And we've seen a number of key players announced out on Saturdays. Right. Yeah. And I, and I think playing, you know, the injury reports specifically, you know, Friday and Saturday, kind of once we have that official practice status and if the guy's actually going to go and stuff. So I, I, I do, for me personally, I am betting like a lot of look ahead numbers week in advance. Mm-hmm. I'm not really betting a whole lot Sunday and Monday, uh, just based on the fact that I'm still trying to digest and understand, you know, the injury situations that played out on Sunday, how, how impactful are those going to be in the upcoming week? So I think I'm usually betting a lot, you know, Friday and Saturday for the next Sunday coming up. And then from there, I'm kind of waiting until, you know, Thursday, Friday, getting some more of that injury information uh, and kind of understanding how that's going to move markets and where it's going to go throughout the weekend. So I'm I'm not really betting a whole lot of, you know, Monday and Tuesday outside of, uh, you know, the maxion and those sorts of things that are coming up here next week, thankfully. All right, both of these teams stink, Ben. Commanders at Colts. But this is the first time we're seeing Sam Ellinger. What are you expecting? I I guess I'm a little surprised the Colts are three-point favorites, but what am I missing here? Yeah, I mean, uh, Taylor Heineke was our worst-graded, you know, passing quarterback oh. last week. Uh, did 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 provide a little bit with his legs, and I think that's kind of, you know, a similar expectation for what we're going to see from Sam Ellinger as well. Like, I, I think the problem with the Colts specifically this year is, uh, you know, they have a relatively high pressure rate allowed, and Matt Ryan has been, you know, kind of a disaster. Can't really move around, can't really, I would say, throw the football like he was once able to as well. So going to a guy that can at least provide some semblance of floor with his rushing ability, kind of escaping some of those pressure situations and maybe turning, you know, a highly negative EPA-type play into just, you know, a small loss or even a small gain. I think can do uh, numbers for an Indianapolis Colts team that is, you know, not really big play, uh, doesn't really have the big play type capability. And when they do get kind of behind the chains a little bit, uh, struggle dramatically. So I think that, you know, moving to Sam Ellinger is going to allow them to be, uh, you know, a slightly more effective offense, even if he's maybe not quite as accurate as Matt Ryan. But um, yeah, I'm kind of with you. I think, you know, I think the line movement has probably, you know, been, uh, 
pretty much baked in now that we're sitting at minus three. I think if it moves down to minus two and a half, I think that would maybe be a little bit overstated. But uh, I don't know. The, the commanders are just definitely not a team that I've uh, really wanted to buy into yet this year. Still kind of banged up. I think defensive line specifically, you know, not going to get Chase Young back, even though he's practicing this week. So uh, until they kind of get some of these guys back in the fold, uh, I'm probably just going to avoid this game altogether and hopefully not have to watch it either on Sunday. <laughs> and big picture on on quarterback play in the NFL. It's been a weird year, right? Some of the greats have, have kind of gone backwards and some young players are emerging. I'm, I'm looking at the, the QBR rankings right now, and it's just standing out to me. And then the Colts situation with putting Ellinger in there because of mobility. Are, are we watching the death of the pocket quarterback here? I, I keep looking at the NFL, right? Teams don't give up big plays. They play too deep shell. So you can't make as many big plays. And then if you take sacks, you're dead, right? You're not making big plays. Yeah. You can't have negative plays. Do you think we're, we're fully seeing the shift here to where you almost need a mobile quarterback in order to have a successful offense? Yeah, I honestly uh, think that we are seeing that fundamental shift. And I do think that, you know, some of the guys that are, you know, more consistent pocket passers are going to, you know, maybe still have some success. But, you know, even a guy like Tom Brady, who's not really mobile whatsoever, can still get rid of the football really quickly. But if he doesn't have the receivers to kind of separate underneath, you know, that's still stalling out a number of drives. So I, I think you kind of, you know, in a lot of ways hit the nail on the head. Typically we've seen, you know, especially now, uh, you know, the younger the quarterback, usually the more mobile they've actually been and the their, you know, their, their willingness and ability to kind of rush uh, with the football. And, and I think that that kind of adds, uh, you know, another wrinkle two offenses that defenses kind of have to account for. And I think that, you know, we see that play out not only in, you know, turning a na highly negative EPA play into just something that's a small loss, but also, uh, you know, from a rushing standpoint, we do see, you know, guys that, you know, are in the same backfield as Lamar Jackson have a much higher yards per carry. And it's because, you know, the threat of Jackson, you know, hanging onto that football and not necessarily handing it off is so great that there's, you know, a couple less defenders for that running back to have to miss. And I think that that is kind of the way that uh, we could see, you know, offenses maybe finally gain another up, upper hand against the, you know, the defenses that are clearly winning, I would say, at this point. So I, I, I definitely agree with you. And I think that, you know, we're going to see, you know, an overall fundamental shift in how we evaluate quarterbacks and what they actually need to bring to the table in order to actually, you know, run, an, a, run a successful offense. And I think a big part of that, uh, you know, is definitely with their legs and rushing ability. What about the Niners and Rams? San Francisco looking to avoid three straight losses. Game number two with Christian McCaffrey. For the most part, outside of the playoffs, Shanahan has McVay's uh, number. I think and maybe uh, this was a look ahead, you bet, because the Rams were favored last week. Yep. Yeah, yeah. This one is, uh, you know, this I would, you know, obviously I, I think that with another week with Christian McCaffrey in the fold, I do think the 49ers are going to be much better. Um, you know, we saw last week, Jimmy Garoppolo is not going to be a guy that I think goes toe to toe with the best quarterbacks in the NFL and wins them football games. So if they're struggling, you know, a little bit defensively to slow people down, that's when they're going to lose. But the Rams haven't shown, I would say, any semblance of, um, you know, um, any sort of semblance of actually being able to kind of, you know, build anything offensively. And I do think that, you know, if Cooper Cup's not really heavily involved uh, I think that the Rams offense stalls out relatively quickly. And I think that, you know, going back to it, Stafford doesn't really provide much with his legs either. So one, 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 you know, sack type situation, uh, you know, severely puts them behind the eight ball more so than a team like, or, or a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes did, did last week. So I think that, you know, in this particular matchup, the 49ers defense matters so much more, does match up really well against the Rams. So I definitely buy into the line movement. I do think that, you know, even if we can't quantify 
Um, you know, the relationship between Kyle Shanahan kind of, you know, owning Sean McVay in one way, uh, it, it's definitely something that we've seen play out. And it's definitely something that, you know, seems to matter in this particular matchup. So I do, you know, definitely agree with the line movement and think that, you know, the 49ers are very much the correct side until we can actually see, you know, this Rams offense kind of operating at the level that they were at last year. Ben, how much do you take into consideration um, dogs uh, plus three and a half or more are hitting at 67%? And there's a handful of teams on the board this week that fit that description. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, just sitting like right above that number, um, you know, it, especially in college, it's a spot that I like to bet the money line a lot. You know, the, the three and a half to six and a half dog range you know, does hit quite a bit from a money line perspective as well at the college level. But yeah, I think, you know, not having the market move down to uh, three is definitely um, telling in a lot of situations, right? And I do think that, you know, maybe we're over overvaluing those teams and in, in the unwillingness to kind of move to three and, and, and deal with like the push probability at that number. So maybe you're seeing a little bit of, you know, an under correction from the betting market. But yeah, I don't know if you necessarily want to, um, you know, blindly bet some of these teams, but I do think, you know, some of them uh, that we're looking at specifically this week, you know, like uh, the Detroit Lions, for example, a team that, you know, we've we've gone back and forth a, a number of times, but they're kind of sitting at that, you know, plus three and a half, um, you know, home uh, as well for a team that I think, you know, in the Miami Dolphins that are still pretty beat up, especially uh, in their secondary. So, uh, you know, if I was looking at one particular example, I do think that the Lions would be, you know, probably my favorite bet to make at plus three and a half this week. Ben, do you think the Seahawks' success is sustainable? I'm starting to feel like it is. They're playing really well offensively. Their running game does not miss the beat without Penny. And their defense is starting to show some improvement here with some young players out there. What do you think about the Seahawks' favor this week over the Giants? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree with you. And I think, you know, these, this is kind of the matchup of two teams that, you know, people don't really know how to evaluate through the first seven weeks of the season. But what we've seen from Geno Sp Smith specifically, top five PFF passing quarterback through, you know, the first seven weeks of the season, very much has been, uh, you know, one of the best passing quarterbacks in the NFL and does provide a little bit, you know, with his legs as well. I think the offense kind of hitting on all cylinders. So, uh, you know, the one question for me is, is DK Metcalf going to be, you know, available and ready to go coming off that leg injury that seemed to be, you know, a, a lot less serious than what it was first made out to be. And I think, you know, that uh, is going to help the Seahawks, I would say, compete this week. And I definitely think that they should be, uh, you know, the team favored in this particular matchup. And I think that they are, you know, probably the only side at minus three. But yeah, I, I agree with you. I think, you know, uh, this was one of the, uh, you know, best draft classes we've seen league-wide uh, in, in quite some time if you don't really, you know, if you don't really bake into account that just the quarterback position, but, you know, everybody else that they essentially drafted has been, you know, a pretty big contributor already, already, and kind of looks like, you know, uh, a, a kind of a revolutionary draft class. And I think that that is a big reason why, you know, the, the Seahawks could very much be, you know, a team to buy into still in the second half of the season. Ben, about 30 seconds to go. Uh, how is life looking like Tom Hardy? We saw your tweet that people think you look like Tom Hardy. <laughs> I mean, I didn't come up with it. I just passed along the information. But I, uh, I decided to take off the glasses. I can only handle so much, you know, Tom Hardy abuse right now. But we'll see. Maybe next week if I get the confidence back or something like that, we'll bring out the, the Tom Hardy shades for everyone. So. With the hat yeah, off, I can see it. I can see yeah. it. Yeah, they, I appreciate that. I appreciate yeah, there are worse comps. That, that's not bad. Ben, we appreciate it. Appreciate Ben Brown hopping on the GetMyPhoenix.com guest line. The Phoenix is a revolutionary technology 
helping men all across America get back to their best in the bedroom. Visit GetMyPhoenix.com to learn more. We'll dive back into the NFL, some trend or truth. And could we have a, an interesting number on a potential rushing leader? We'll talk about it right here on the BetQL Network.